The Acrest Podcast, Fun's Industry Conversations. Hello podcast listeners and welcome to this episode of The Acrest Podcast with me, Danny Lawler. If you're new to The Acrest Podcast, do hit the subscribe button. If you like the episode, don't be shy, go and share it with your mates. In this episode, we remain on the crypto funds train and I'm joined by Dara Lawler, who is no relation, but works at Interwoven and is a financial services tech expert with a particular interest in emerging technologies and all things digital assets and cryptocurrency related. We chat about the state of crypto regulated funds in Ireland, what's been allowed so far, what might be allowed and and where that uh, regulation may go. Beyond that, we talk much more broadly about some of the technologies that support the likes of cryptocurrencies and how those technologies might really be game changers in the financial services industry. Particularly, we chat about tokenization and the potential there to make e-liquid assets much more liquid and maybe more attractive to the investing public in general. I guess as an overarching theme for the episode, though, we do continually come back to the idea of freedom with fences. So the idea that all of this tech and opportunity can exist with no regulatory guardrails around it, kind of proven to be too much when you look at the failures that we've seen, particularly in the crypto coin market in the last six months. So there is a need to put some fences around it in order that the institutional and regular retail investors can have the confidence that this is actually a space where they can be and invest uh, with some assurance that, uh, that the mal actors are being kept out. So on that note, we'll cover that and lots more. Sit back, enjoy this episode of the Quest Podcast. The Quest Podcast. Funds Industry Conversations. Hello, Dara, and welcome to the Equest Podcast. Uh, very nice to be here, Danny. Thanks for inviting me along. You're fresh from a Techstars event in Dublin. Uh, is this your is this your kind of area that you live in? Are you very interested in technology and the intersection with regulation and, and what these guys are up to? Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose I've uh, historically I was very involved in emerging technologies. I was one of the first guys to see Netscape Navigator, God help us, uh, uh, back in the 90s uh, and saw uh, what happened with the advent of HTML, XML and uh, what I suppose the guys now call Web 1.0 back in the 90s. And I've watched and participated with interest in the journey Uh, with emerging technology impacting on business challenges uh, and looking to see how the dots could be joined to sort that out. So uh, as we sit here in the, uh, you know, in in the 2020s, uh, it's everybody's talking to Web3 and about the nexus of uh, emerging tech and the web and the new generation of digital money and digital, uh, digital representation of the actual world bringing efficiencies and opportunities for people. So it's an area that I'm very interested in. I think it was, I think it was appropriate that the uh, Techstars gig uh, last night was a gig. It was in the button factory. There was dry ice and uh, Pete Townsend wearing his leather jacket on stage. And to a degree, it, this is the new rock and roll in a number of ways. So uh, it fascinates me. From a cultural perspective, it fascinates me. From a business perspective, uh, I love the innovation, the youth and the energy around this technical space. But I also 
and, and by virtue of the fact that you know I was around in the nineties, uh, looking at, at uh, web browsers and getting excited about them, um, I'm a long I'm longer in the tooth now, so I've grown to appreciate the concept that freedom needs fences, and as such, the regulator has a part to play in creating a, a truly successful ecosystem. And if the disruption that's envisaged is really going to take hold, there have to be protections for individuals, citizens, investors baked into that. And it can't just be idealistic. It actually has to be practical and with teeth. So it's been very interesting to watch how, 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 how this, this area has emerged over the last since I first came across blockchain about 2016, 2015, it's fascinating yeah. over that seven year period, how much has happened and how much, and yet how young, how nascent the entire space is. Freedom needs fences. You sound like a, a bit of a party pooper. <laughs> Where do you stand on the, on the scale of believerness? Uh, uh, I've, I, I've encountered all. Uh, I, well, I think I'm definitely, uh, I lean towards, well, on the technology and the, the, and the ideology, um, I'm, I'm an enthusiast, an ardent enthusiast, on the concept of taking my hard-earned money and sticking it into, into coins, mm, I think it would be fair to say I could be regarded as something of a skeptic. Um, I, I love what they want to do. But I see, I see challenges in achieving uh, some of the goals. I suppose that's being reflected in the, in the issues that are arising at the moment in the coin market. Uh, yeah. but, but, but I think we have to be very careful not to conflate that, that particular part of the overall ecosystem. Uh, you know, that's not everything. And there are an awful lot of interesting and long-lasting changes happening at the moment both culturally and mindset but also from the perspective of technology and execution and there's some real real valuable work going on out there yeah well uh let's start with the crypto funds world then uh so in the last episode of of the podcast i chatted to james lazary and hassan's in, in gibraltar about the regime that they have for regulated crypto funds so i thought it'd be interesting to kind of follow that up and talk about well what's it like in Ireland in terms of regulated funds and crypto assets. And um, so, for example, the Irish Funds Industry Association published a white paper on crypto uh, funds just at the end of May. I wonder, before we get into that, Dara, does the current difficulties, as you mentioned, in the coin market and the current price of Bitcoin, which as we stand today at the start of July is somewhere around 20,000, does that take a lot of the kind of the, the air and the enthusiasm out of regulated crypto funds. Is there a chance that by the time this gets done and settled in terms of having a regime for them, there's no interest in them anymore? Yeah, I, I'm going to have to try and take both sides of the fence on, on that one. Insofar as I think in terms of, so funds are collective investment vehicles and whose purpose is to safeguard money for benefit in the long term, and 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 their their duty is to deliver a return. For the last two or three years, the crypto coin universe has delivered spectacular returns, and we can argue over whether 
that was through hype or market manipulation or whether it was through an awakening of people to finding an alternative means of exchanging value outside of the traditional financial systems, which in fairness to the investors and people who hold that mindset has let a lot of people down over the last you know, decade or so. Um, and uh, you know, there are no end of examples that a, a disillusioned investor could point to around how the traditional finance world has, has comported itself and some of the some of the deleterious impacts of that, not least among them being, you know, the the carnage in two thousand eight, two thousand ten, what have you. You're uh, starting to sound like a believer, Dara. I beg your pardon. You're starting to sound like a believer. Well, yeah, uh, as I as I as I said to you, uh, you know, I'm going to try and take both sides of the fence. The flip side of that is, is that where you get a lot of idealism uh, and a lot of uh, emotional investment and i think you know uh, it's been fascinating and uh, you know you and i both got involved in uh, doing some of the background work uh, in and around that uh, white paper we talked about it was fascinating to delve into in, into the world and as it happened the gestation period of that paper was started out as the market was still you know very frothy uh, and during the course of the production of the paper, the turn happened. Uh, Luna backed uh, uh, stablecoin Terra began to wobble, and the waves from that um, uh, spread out. Uh, I'm oversimplifying things, but there was definitely a reevaluation of coins. And we see, you know, this morning looking on Coin Market Cap, what was a two trillion capitalized coin market uh, back in February, March is down to less than one trillion a bitcoin today is less than twenty thousand dollars and when it was hovering in around the 60s not so long ago ether is ether is teetering uh, uh, around the 1000 mark and um, there was an interesting stat this morning around uh, the fact that there is 76.4 percent less bitcoin millionaires now today than there were at the beginning of of the year dollar millionaires I guess one of the interesting things, the, the flip side of, if you look at, say, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies as a regulator and you think about all the risk and all the things that could go wrong, the access to data is the, the flip side and the ability to, to be able to calculate that 76 points. Uh, absolutely. Millionaires I, I, are, are gone. And when did, when did a lot of these investors come into the market? I think I've heard that over 50% of Bitcoin investors have lost, lost money. So the ability to pull that data out of... What's available is yeah. the flip side of. And I think, and I think you've actually absolutely hit the nail on the head. So if I can put on my enthusiast hat again here, I'd be saying that this is one of the major things about it. And, it, and it's something of a conundrum to me. Even at the Techstars event last night, uh, they were talking about that, you know, the the, the fact that a reg regulatory input can actually add value to this ecosystem, particularly in the light of, you know, a big readjustment as is, as we are witnessing at the moment. And uh, one of the panelists was saying that she was very concerned about uh, the, that and the, and the likelihood that the case for uh, central bank digital currencies becoming, uh, maybe perhaps stepping into that space uh, by virtue of the fact that they can offer, you know, the efficiencies that um, uh, Bitcoin and what have you can offer and that, that ease of access to data. And she was saying that she wasn't comfortable with that because it, she felt that that was allowing centralised and politicised 
control of of what they saw as you know a very libertarian marketplace but to your point i think one of the things that's absolutely fascinating is that while we talk about uh, you know anonymity and you know zero trust environments the the level and granularity of the data that's available is actually absolutely stupendous and any regulator would love to have similar look through clarity on the marketplace in the securities marketplace and to be able to get those kind of unified views and and numbers so i think it's it's one of the huge benefits of the of these technologies is that availability of clean accurate data however i think the flip side of that is is that you know we we're seeing you know there's an ongoing challenge to keep it all secure and while the people will say that bitcoin has never ever been hacked it's true to say that the vaults in which bitcoin has been stored on behalf of people have been less successful uh, in their in in their journey you know so it's 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 a bit like it, it, everything you you can make a statement that is absolutely true and utterly incorrect about an awful lot in this area because it's moving so fast and changing so quickly and it is quite complex but let's start then with with crypto funds in ireland so what is possible so far what has been possible so far in ireland in terms of regulated investment funds investing in crypto yeah yes so sorry i i, I went off on a tangent there as i sometimes do danny um but yeah so um the funds uh, funds seek uh, returns for their investors the coin market is an area where returns have been offered and um, there has been an appetite to uh, get give exposure to investors in 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 funds and um, this is done or uh, in the us uh, us distributors who would be big customers of the irish funds industry want to emulate their products that they're offering to their investors in the us in in a european context passported out so uh, also um, there is a feeling in an irish context that you know uh, the german uh, authorities the swiss authorities and to uh, a lesser degree the luxembourg one uh, spanish authorities have started allowing collective investment schemes to get some uh, indirect exposures to coin uh, so there was um r- relatively recently there were two funds for qualified investors uh, got uh, given got ratified to hold some exposure to spot futures on bitcoin on the chicago exchange which is the first time that an irish regulated fund has been given such permissions and i think the the stance of the regulators uh, uh, not unlike my own uh, you know we really see the opportunities in the technology but were very concerned about the governance challenges associated with the coin marketplace and that caution i suppose is reflected in that the qualified investment uh, funds that they're uh, looking at uh, have a high level of entry they uh, require that the qualified investor is has asserted that they have the capacity to make uh, decisions around highly risky products and the uh, counterparty risk is effectively transferred away from the coin market itself to whoever is issuing the uh, futures contract with the fund so yeah. it's quite an insulated access to that asset class at the moment 
what was envisaged in the white paper was that you know uh, as we as the industry came to terms with with that insulated approach and as guardrails were established as protocols in and around the areas of custody in around the areas of due diligence in around the areas of AML and what have you as those matured then maybe there will be an opportunity to offer the exposure in a broader way. I, I personally am of the view that there was there is an opportunity for the Irish funds industry to offer that kind of insulated wrapper to allow investors to get exposure to the potential returns in that space, but to get the protections that one would expect for an investor in a traditional space. And if we look go back to that, you know, the 76.4 millionaires that are no longer. They're real people with car repayments and children going to college and mortgages to pay and what have you. And uh, I think while the gamification of money notionally is a fantastic idea, if it's all your money, then it becomes a very, very different story. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's where, um, you know, that's why maybe I am, uh, that's, the, that's what I mean by the fences. You know, I think there has to be, some means to allow people to be protected to a degree while offering them the freedom to make decisions as adults in a, in a in, you know, independent adults in a free country. So it's yeah. about striking that balance. So from an Irish regulated fund perspective, not so much dipping your toe in the water is probably allowed to dip their toenail in the water, but with a very small exposure to on on Bitcoin. It would would be, yeah, it would be fair to say that it's very cautious, but I think we probably need to broaden the lens. And, uh, you know, while the coin market is is somewhere that has drawn a lot of attention and uh, caused a lot of excitement and people have clearly made uh, large amounts of money uh, and lost it, in that space and it is speculative and it is volatile and one could argue you know as a volatile volatility engine is that uh, providing a surface to people who have an appetite for that and the answer is you know is indisputably yes there's an awful lot of investors in there and yeah. um, well, you can imagine the investment fund um, structure could be very attractive if you as an investor can um get easier access so you don't have the you don't have the hassle and the administration of opening wallets and and doing your own trading and you have the protections of a re- protections of a regulated structure and safety would, valuation I would, and i would see value in that you know yeah. and i mean in a diversified portfolio there's people tech stars you know that's the investors who that are going into that scenario are playing a high risk game you know um, and 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 but are with a view to earning a, a return so i don't i don't think we can rule these things out but i think if we step a little further back the blockchain technology also allows for a variety of other things so there's been a lot of noise around nfts and board apes and uh, and what have you which are kind of in the, in the in collector cards on steroids but we also have stable coins which fall into two categories one of which is the asset-backed uh, stable coins and one of the interesting things in following the uh, the, the volata- volatility and backwash over the last couple of months is that the asset-backed stable coins actually haven't done too badly, including Tether, who 
you know, had a whiff of sulfur off them uh, about a year ago um, when it was felt that they were inadequately backed. And if one were to really simplify from a funds industry perspective, really what they are is tokenized money market funds, you know, and they've managed to be reasonably stable. Tokenized assets or securitized tokens are, are being experimented with in an ongoing basis around, you know, there's been uh, real estate, uh, fractionalizing holdings in real estate. Uh, there's been experiments done around aircraft leasing and standard securities or fixed income scenarios. And the DeFi world, which is this decentralized finance uh, using the levers of smart contracts and, you know, um, the, the use of various utility coins and, and other asset imbued coins are... But, you know, pulling together some really, really interesting ways to deliver value more transparently, more democratically and more technically av available to allow us to get the kind of technical data back from the investments and the market, the primary and secondary markets that sometimes proves elusive with the, with, with the traditional securities. So I think if we look at that space, I think it's, uh, you know, there's massive opportunities there. And we can see, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a lot of firms. You've got like the OR3 consortium who are building uh, the infrastructure in which these kind of uh, securities can live. Uh, we've got a lot of institutional grade custodians manifesting themselves, you know, Zodia, Copper, uh, Gemini, etc., coming into the marketplace. who are looking to say, OK, well, how can we take advantage of these technologies to deliver better products uh, quicker within the regulated sphere with exposure to institutional money in a way that, you know, really, while we think the money demands are huge, you know, I think the spider ETF is probably about two and a half, three times the capitalization of the entire coin market. That's one ETF. So we need to we need to be aware of the fact that there is a much bigger financial ecosystem out there and there are some huge strides being made using these technologies in terms of financial products, but also in terms of the administration. So fund admin chain, uh, uh, as an example, or FN, FNZ, there are firms that are using blockchain to deliver services that from the outside in might look like the traditional service, but are actually operating much more efficiently on the basis of the underlying technologies. And I think that's a really exciting area and an exciting opportunity uh, for the financial services world to democratize, to become more transparent and to deliver more value directly to the investor, which is ultimately what we should be doing. So beyond crypto funds and coins, which I guess is what's all sexy and the buzzword at the moment, which of these technologies that that kind of are behind uh, coins, do you think are the ones that we're going to see really grab hold? The concept of the initial coin offering manifested itself uh, two or three years ago. There was an awful lot of it going on. It got quite a bad reputation quite quickly. There were some, I don't know whether they were bad actors or whether they just hadn't really thought everything through, but there was certainly money. Uh, there were uh, funds being raised uh, people were putting real cash into uh, coin offerings that offered them fractionalized, securitized ownership of entities that in some instances didn't really deliver on the promises that were made. And that probably gave the concept something of a bad name. But some of the, the, the fundamentals 
are are nonetheless outstanding. I mean, at the end of the day, whether one is issuing a paper share certificate in, let's say, I don't know, a railway firm back in the, the, the turn of the last century, up to now, when I, when I hold, when my pension fund is holding investments in, uh, in uh, Bank of Ireland, um, you know, I don't see a piece of paper coming in the door. It is actually managed electronically, albeit by, you know, uh, archaic uh, standards. When we look to nowadays, it's now possible to produce a token, a, a, a coin in inverted commas, that represents one's holding in an immutable way on a transparent ledger of one's rights to a particular security or asset, uh, be that a piece of real estate, be it an interest in, in some infrastructure, or be it uh, a, an equity in the way that we would understand it today. That, that's happening. There's a lot of firms emerging into that space, looking at that. And what it means is those coins can be used or those tokens, let's not use the word uh, coin, it uh, causes confusion, but those tokens can then be exchanged uh, more quickly and more efficiently uh, by their owners, their beneficial owners, uh, using the type of technology that we've seen being used uh, in, in the coin world. By the same token, they can also be then used as security or collateralization for more complex financial products. They can be used for uh, or borrowing, um, and uh, they and they can be and that can be done in a more transparent way while delivering the level of data that we've seen uh, the remarkable uh, granularity of data that we see in the in the coin marketplace. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah, uh, I think it's the um, the potential to take liquid assets and tokenize them and create a liquid market for what otherwise is illiquid. Yeah. And effectively you're creating you about, a you know, you, market. Yeah. And you think about in Europe, we're trying to, and the Capital Markets Union project has been around for quite yeah. a while at this stage. And the idea being to, to encourage and, and grow alternative sources of lending outside of just bank lending for projects around the union. So if that is an infrastructure project, um, it might be more attractive to your regular investors if it was a token uh, as part of a motorway or a bridge or a hospital or whatever it is, as opposed to the idea of the, the European long-term investment fund, which hasn't really taken off. Yeah, no, not, it, it really hasn't. And then if you look at some of the challenges in the ETF space, for example, where uh, while, there's, while there's very good uh, data and clarity in the engagement with the authorised participants and what have you, uh, when you go to the secondary market, it's a lot more challenging to, to, to keep track of, of, of what's going on there, particularly in light of 27. So, you know, we've had this whole argument around the consolidated tape in a European uh, scenario. Uh, they're, they're the kind of things that would be much easier to achieve if, if we had an interoperable on-chain financial services ecosystem. Now, that's where we're a, we're a fair bit away from that, but it's a not unreasonable goal to pursue. And when we look at uh, some of the, and there's been some really sophisticated, you know, the DeFi world, there are some amazing products out there. The challenge is, is that it's very complicated stuff and the smart, and it relies on the smart contracts being right you know and we saw that with terra 
you know, the smart contracts that they were using, the algorithms that they were using to keep tethered to the dollar worked quite well until they stopped. So the challenge is test, 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 which brings us to the other area, which is the central bank issued uh, digital currencies. And, you know, if we look, China are quite a long way down that road, but the reason why they haven't been generally released they want to test and test and test and test against every possible scenario. Now, there are those who would argue that that's reintroducing state control into the financial market and getting the balance between oversight and, and non-benign control is always going to be a challenge. But I think we're probably better seated in Europe to, to be able to establish appropriate guardrails to reap the benefits of a fiat currency being made available electronically on either a wholesale or retail basis in a, con- in a controlled fashion that respects the individual and their rights to privacy, uh, etc. In, in the marketplace. Uh, so does that bring us back to freedom with fences? Well, I think I, I think so. You know, ultimately, you need to you need a space where you can feel safe to operate and make decisions as an autonomous adult living in a free and independent state. But that free and independent state, inevitably, there's a border somewhere and there are protections to keep uh, bad actors or to assure that the incompetent don't make a mistake of sufficient magnitude that it has an impact on, on, on you know, the society that we live in. Um, and, and we've seen when that go, and that could go wrong in the traditional finance uh, world, and we've seen that. But it would be foolish of us to say, oh, a massive mistake has been made. Let's start from scratch somewhere else when there are opportunities to learn from the experiences there. And I think we've seen that in the increase of regulation in, in, in the financial services world over the last uh, you know, 10, 15 years. And the transference of the concept of value to being value with a, a, with a perspective on associated risk rather than purely what can something be sold for tomorrow uh, in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, if we look to what's happening with, with uh, at the risk of tangentializing slightly uh, to uh, sustainable finance, you know, the, uh, the, the sustainable finance reporting directives are beginning to start providing the guardrails to say to us, well, we have to take a long-term perspective on what we do with our money in terms of its impact on the world we live in, because if not, that will have a deleterious effect on our society and our system. So, yes, freedom need fences is my, my T-shirt slogan for today. Well, on that note, I think we can wrap it up. Uh, I think we've covered an, an awful lot of ground there and identified some of the, the challenges and the opportunities that exist, but, but how you allow the benefits of the technology but protect investors and, and deliver it in a way that tries as best you can not to let investors get ripped off or defrauded or sucked in or you know have their have their money or their their coins run by people who don't really know what they're doing um that's that's going to be the challenge and yeah. I, you are a believer and you believe in decentralization and you believe in removing control and government from um from the money system or the financial services system then uh, yeah i think i think the troubles this year in the coin world have probably proved that that's not going to happen 
there's just too much temptation to allow the, the sector to go un, uh, unguarded. That, that, that's it. But I think, you know, there's the opportunity to look back and say that was the great cleansing, you know, and, and those firms that have viable propositions and appropriate protections and can look at the regulator and the investor in the eye and say, we're delivering value and here's why and here's how. And it's not about belief. It's about, you know, tangible controls and protections. Then we're probably moving towards a better place. And I'm an optimist. I think, I think there's huge potential in all of these technologies, but I think the regulator has, has a part to play in that picture. And on that note, thank you very much, Dara, for joining us for this episode of the Equest podcast. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. We'll catch you next time on the Equest podcast. The Equest podcast, funds industry conversations.